Hello and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me. Darcy, say hi to your listeners. Hey, guys. <laughs> My partner in crime. <laughs> the best. Okay. Um, this is going to be a jam-packed episode, so we are going to jump right in without a whole lot of chit-chat prior to the episode. So, Darcy, what do you got going this week? You sent me some really interesting articles I'm dying to talk about. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of updates to things that we've talked about previous episodes. So, a Utah lab is going to examine DNA evidence from the Atlanta child murders. Okay, so hang on one second. What? Let's point out the episode that we did on that one, right? Um, which oh, episode yeah. was that? Let's see. Just I want to give the uh, date on that one, um, so that they can go back and listen to it, right? Yes, I don't remember which when it was though. Time means nothing. After uh, what, COVID I don't remember what to we me. even called that episode. But <laughs> yeah. if you want to hear more details about the Atlanta child killers case, go back and scan our early episodes. I believe we did it like a year and a half, two years ago. I was going to say, I felt like we did it in the summer, but I don't... I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, after COVID hit, I have, I've lost all yes, concept Yes, we do have time. an episode about this so. case that you can find more details on if you so desire, but go ahead. Yes. So Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms said in a tweet that the city investigators will provide old DNA evidence to a private lab in Salt Lake City. Mayor did not disclose the name of the lab that will analyze the DNA evidence committed in Atlanta from killings committed in Atlanta in the 1970s and 80s. Um, one Twitter user responded to her tweet, quote, Mayor Bottoms, this has been a long time coming. My old friend Jonathan Bell lost his brother Yusuf Bell, who was nine years old in 1979. He was the fourth child that was killed out of the 28. I was eight years old at the time, and my next birthday, by the grace of God, I will be 51. As we discussed on the episode, in 1982, Wayne Williams was convicted of killing the two adults. They were the last two victims that were found. And he has long been considered the main suspect in the deaths of 22 of the 29 murdered children, teens, and adults between 1979 and 1981. At the time, this was known as the Atlanta Child Murders. This was one of the first cases to use the term serial killers. It was one of the first cases to use the FBI's behavioral analysis unit to come up with a profile. There was a lot of speculation that the Klan was involved because of the time that this was there was a lot of um speculation that this was a racist act we get into the nitty-gritty of how that how the fbi lab linked wayne williams to the rest of these murders in the episode after they convicted him of the two murders of the adults they closed the case on the children and i think and i hope i believe based on the evidence that i read when studying up for this case and presenting this case, I believe that Wayne Williams is responsible for these murders. Um, we talk about there's some. Oh, some, sorry. The some, Atlanta Child Killers, May 17th, 2020. Episodes 77 and 78 yeah. deals with the Atlanta Child Murders. Okay. Yeah, so we were exactly yeah. right about a year and a half ago. But um, I feel pretty strongly that he is responsible or at least some way involved in all of the murders based on the evidence that we talked about in that episode. I'm hopeful that this DNA evidence will provide some sort of conclusion yeah, it's about either damn way. time. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. I'm just yeah. concerned that either the evidence may have eroded, may not have been kept properly. I mean, there, it was a crapshoot back then if people were actually saving DNA right. appropriately and properly to use later at that time period. 
And unfortunately, due to the number of victims, it, there may be the opportunity that where some evidence was degraded, some evidence may be properly preserved because there were so many victims, which is terrible. But Right. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. I just feel as though I, I don't think enough care and enough um, very specific, proper... Yeah disposal proper um preservation of these maybe happened because they were young children yes. of color back then in i will a say i know we discussed this during the episode um there was a racial component that a lot of people believe was responsible for the murders but the city of atlanta i think they knew about it very early they didn't bring it up they didn't let people know they didn't let the public know and again, that there is a racial component to that. Um, I'm hopeful that that this will provide a conclusion either way about Wayne Williams. I'm personally of the belief that he is responsible or involved. But either way, yeah. either way, I hope this. Yeah, he has to be. Go yeah. listen to our episode from May 2020. Let us know what you think because we've provided the facts and the theories as to why yes. this he may or may not be the perpetrator. But we'll let you make that call as listeners. Yes. And then definitely let us know because I would be interested to to go back and look through that evidence again because I remember coming away from that believing pretty being pretty convinced yeah that that he was involved me too so. um and then the update the other update you had yes so another update this story came out just this week just two days ago October twenty sixth the a sheriff in let's see. Where was the sheriff? The sheriff in Cook County, um, Illinois, which is Chicago. Which is not too far from where I am now. Has identified another victim in the John Wayne Gacy case. This is victim number five. FYI, our episode on John Wayne Gacy, we had two of those as well. November 15th, 2020 and November 8th, 2020. Our episodes on John Wayne Gacy, part one and part two. Again, November 8th and November 15th, 2020. Go back and listen to that if you want more details on the John Wayne Gacy case. So this young man, his remains were found in the house. They were part of six sets of remains that are still unidentified. One of them has been identified. His name is Francis Wayne Alexander. He is... Why did I think he was from... North Carolina. This says New York. I don't know. There's been a lot of information um, kind of swirling around related to this case. So maybe you got a little confused. Maybe they were talking about other victims and where they were from. Let's see. Oh, he was born in North Carolina. Okay. And, okay. Yes. So he was born in North Carolina. He and his family moved to New York. He got married and he moved to Chicago in 1975 where he divorced and there's been a lot of stories and the headlines are in my opinion inappropriate about this because there's been a lot of stories that his family did not know that he was missing let alone deceased and it's kind of the inappropriate headline for this story the story they believed that he had just simply cut off contact with them there was not necessarily any acrimony they just believed that he wanted to have his own life move on and live in chicago as an adult he is certainly allowed to do that, and it's very unfortunate that that was the situation, but that's an inappropriate headline. That's not the thing to, to highlight. The highlight is he his body was – he was buried before he was able to be identified, okay. and he was then exhumed, and they have since been able to identify him. Again, his name is 
Francis Wayne Alexander. It's just so amazing that they're still able to find the names of victims of this man mm-hmm. who killed 50 years ago. It's incredible. Right. But it's my understanding that they have reached out, and we covered this in the case, they reached out to families of missing persons from that time period, asking them to send DNA samples in for potential matches on victims that were found at the scene. And this was one of those they eventually yes, found. Yes, and that is what happened. So he did live in the area that Gacy frequented, but he had no work history with Gacy. Nope. He worked in bars. He was not working yep. in construction. So they don't know how they made yeah, contact. Yeah. But they there was a public call in 2011 for the public to submit DNA for missing family members. And Francis Wayne Alexander was identified through a partnership between the sheriff's office and the DNA Doe project, which we've talked about yeah. before. Um, they used his mother and his half brother's DNA for comparison. And they also were able, they've also been able to identify other unnamed victims through genealogy websites, which we've also discussed yeah, before. Super interesting. It's just mm-hmm. fascinating to me that they're still finding names and, and still investigating this and, I have no doubt more names will come forward in the coming months and years. Yes, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about a few other random things. Um, There's an update I thought was interesting on the Elizabeth Holmes case. I guess a juror was dismissed for playing Sudoku during the trial. I mean, okay. (laughs) The judge in this case is not playing. (laughs) (laughs) There were eight men and four women with two alternates left. And um, they dismissed them, so there's probably only one alternate left at this point. But I thought it was really interesting. Yikes. And this one's expected to last a long time, so... According to a court transcript, the juror kept Sudoku in her court-issued notebook and played it for around 7 to 10 days of testimony. Oh, my God. Were you playing this Sudoku, U.S. District Judge Edward Davila, Aster, number 5, Will in Chambers? This person said, I do have Sudoku, but it doesn't interfere with me listening. I'm very fidgety, so I need to do something with my hands. So at home, I'll crochet while I'm watching TV or listening to TV. The shakeup leaves only two alternates in a trial that's expected to last until December. Yikes. On Friday, the judge told prosecutors and defense attorneys he'd received an email from a juror, the judge, along with Jeffrey Schneck, an assistant U.S. attorney, and Kevin Downey, a defense attorney for Holmes, spoke with the juror in chambers. The court had found good cause to excuse this juror. Interesting. For playing Sudoku? Really? So her thing about crocheting, okay, I get. Because the crocheting, and I don't I don't actually know how to crochet, so please correct me if I'm just way off. It's complicated. It doesn't require like No, it's complicated. Is it okay? Yeah. Yeah. For me. So I know Sudoku, like you have to you can't like listen and do no, it because you gotta I think can. about I can. And the thing is, they asked this person, has this distracted you from listening to the case? Have you been able to follow and retain everything that's going on in the courtroom? And the juror said, yes, absolutely. And they still dismissed him. Yeah, I'm not sure I buy that. Like, the brain power it takes to play Sudoku. I mean, the thing is, I'm the same way. I have to be doing... I would never be able to sit through a trial like that and not do anything but listen to the case. I work all day long, but I have a podcast going, I have a TV going, I have all these other things going because it helps me focus. I agree, and I have to do... So there are just people that are like that. So I don't think they should have dismissed this juror for that. Well, I disagree because I, like, I need to have... I'm the same way. I like background noise, but it's never something that actually requires my full attention. That's like, 
this is a really big deal. Like you can't, this isn't something where you can like drop in and drop out of of like, oh, I need to hear this part. Don't need to hear this part. No, you need to hear all of it. Like this is, you're a jury. This is why I brought this up because I knew we would disagree on this. Because I do, I do the same. I listen to books. I listen. To- Tell us what you think. Send us an email. Yes, would, do you think I, this juror would have been dismissed? Send us yes, an email. Write us an email. If you let disagree us know if you or think agree. Darcy is right, or if you think Sarah is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> at the BFD. Oh wait, we're yeah. at G, uh, the BFD podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts on that because it's interesting. It's it's. I mean, I get the reasoning behind why they dismissed this juror, but. In my own personal opinion, I would be fine with doing a Sudoku game while listening to this and still have the ability to retain, to give, you know, to even feedback the information I was just given. I think there's a lot of things I could do where I could be still paying attention to doing something else. Sudoku is not one of them. Agree to disagree. Um, next case was that U.S. embassy staffer accused of drugging, molesting, etc. women who worked um, at the embassy. Okay, so we talked about this case a few months back, and <laughs> the FBI is actually urging additional victims to come forward if they suffered at the hands of the former U.S. embassy staffer who has pled guilty to abusive sexual conduct of numerous women over a span of 14 years. But they actually did say this man was a CIA agent, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, they did. Brian Jeffrey Raymond, 45, pled guilty in July 2021 to two counts of sexual abuse in which the victims were incapable of consent and one count of transporting obscene material. This is the guy that drugged these victims and kind of did whatever he wanted and filmed some of it and just gross. Federal authorities started investigating this guy in May 2020 after a naked woman was seen screaming for help from the balcony of his residence in Mexico City. His government provided... Resident. Yes. He was an employee of the U.S. Embassy, but actually a CIA agent, right? Mm-hmm. Raymond admitted to having sex with the woman, but she told investigators she'd passed out after having dinner and drinks with this man. Federal investigators recovered Raymond's electronic devices, which contained hundreds of photographs and videos of more than 20 unconscious nude or partially nude women. The material was created between 2006 and 2012. 2020, the FBI said nearly all the women depicted in the illicit material experienced memory loss during their time with Raymond and had no knowledge of this material. In a plea agreement, Raymond admitted having sex with two of the women depicted when both were unable to give their consent. He also admitted to touching the breasts, buttocks, and genitalia of women who were passed out and couldn't give consent. The FBI revealed Monday that Raymond had worked for some years for the Central Intelligence Agency. I don't really think that there's consensus on whether he was a CI agent a CIA agent at the time that he was arrested or if he had previously been and was now working with the embassy. Did you hear on that? He was an active CIA agent at the time he was arrested. And shortly after they, he was arrested in La Mesa, he resigned his post with the CIA. Yikes. They, like the CIA has come out and said that they, oh, I see. they've not explicitly said, yes, he was an agent, but they said, we do not condone the behavior of this person and originally from california this man resided in washington dc but traveled extensively for work and leisure he also lived in foreign countries including peru and mexico and spoke both spanish and mandarin chinese he lived in mexico city from august 2018 to may 2020 while working at the u.s embassy he met many of his victims at various dating applications probably tinder 
Uh, the CIA said... Henge and Bumble, I think, were ugh, two of them, too. Gross. The CIA said it condemns in the strongest terms the crimes committed by former agency officer Brian Jeffrey Raymond. The FBI is now asking anyone who believes they may have been a victim of Raymond or has relevant information to fill out a secure questionnaire, which can be found at fbi.gov slash... Brian Jeffrey Raymond. I mean, Yikes. oh my God, he has his own government website. That's not great. Ugh. He will be sentenced in the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. in February following a pre-sentencing evidentiary hearing in January. I hope they throw the book at this guy. That's so gross. Did you hear gross. about the night before he was arrested? No. What so happened? He was staying at his parents in La Mesa before he was arrested. Right. The night before, he went out with a woman in East County. And, uh, but the night before he was arrested, he had gone out on a date with a woman. And I believe this woman said that she thinks she had sex with him three times but doesn't oh remember all of it. The night before gross. he was arrested. Gross, gross, yeah. gross. So he was continuing to perpetuate this kind of awful, horrific behavior. And would have continued had he not been caught. It's just gross. This person, obviously drunk on power, authority, privilege, continued this just terrifically awful behavior for years and never intended to stop. Mm -hmm. He's a monster. He's a psychopath. Yes, absolutely. I hope they throw the book at him. I hope he ends up spending the rest of his life in prison because that's disgusting. The problem is, like, how do you find these women? Number one, I I think some of them are probably have no knowledge that this happened to them. Some of them are Mm -hmm. embarrassed probably to come forward with this. And then if if he was in Peru and all these other countries, how are they going to get those women? Those women don't check out U.S. news websites. Yeah, I know that when they took his phone, because when he crossed back into the States, he tried to erase all the information on his phone. They've they've been since been able to recover it. But I know there's a lot of information on his phone, including like messages, either in the dating app or text messages or something where the woman will say like, that was crazy. I don't remember anything last night. Or he'll say, I hope you don't, you're not too hungover. And she'll say, yeah, that was really fun. Like not knowing, clearly not knowing what happened. Like it's a pretty evident, the articles I read, it was very evident that the woman that responded did not know what happened. And they felt the need that women do, because this is what we're taught to just be polite. And they didn't understand what happened. And that many women have come forward and said that they had interactions with him where they, they don't remember. They had one drink with him and then they don't remember anything that happened after that. And, and, you know, some of these cases, the women are saying, I don't believe we had a sexual encounter. I just know I, in some way I was incapacitated after one drink. So there's a lot going on here and there's a lot of pictures on his phone and his search history what a creep. is very indicative of the sexual predation of this man yeah. who's disgusting and awful. We'll keep you posted on the outcome of the trial. Cause I'm sure that'll yeah. blast that across the news. Make sure that guy gets yeah. life in prison. Um, okay. And one final case before we jump into the main case, this one, my significant other brought up to me and I didn't think it was real until I looked it up, but morgue worker arrested after giving birth to a dead man's baby. Did you see uh, this? I did, speechless. I did see this. Right. You're speechless. I know it. I'm so, okay. Okay. This is Kansas city, Missouri. A 26 year old morgue worker was arrested this morning. Well, it wasn't this morning. It was a few days back after a DNA test revealed that her newborn child was the result of a necrophiliac intercourse with a man she was supposed to autopsy. Oh, my God. Jennifer Burroughs, an assistant pathologist with the Jackson County Medical Examiner's Office, is accused of having sex with dozens of corpses over the course of two years. 
This behavior led to the birth of a baby boy in January. According to the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department, her baby is the son of a man who died in a car accident March 2017 and whose body she was supposed to autopsy. They allege that this woman sexually abused more than 60 other dead bodies belonging to males aged 17 to 71 years. Oh, my God. Jeez, right? There are currently no laws, state or federal, governing or explicitly outlawing the practice of necrophilia since the corpse is considered human remains and no longer living. Therefore, it is technically legal in the state of Missouri, and Miss Burroughs' actions are judged as indecent treatment of a corpse. She's facing 158 charges in total, including indecent treatment of a corpse, disorderly conduct, indecent exposure, and possession of illegal drugs. The psychologists and experts that have been interviewed for this are divided on their interpretation of this case. Some, like this particular professor from the University of Missouri, believe the young woman was suffering from a psychosis and had at least partially lost any notion of reality. Others say, um, and these others are experts in sexual disorders, believe that the accused is clearly a compulsive necrophiliac and that her choice of profession was inspired by her sexual deviation in the first place. All seem to agree that the 26-year-old woman was suffering from some sort of mental problem that she will probably register a plea of insanity in this case. What the actual... Seriously? How do you have a baby from a corpse? I don't understand. How can they ejaculate if they're dead? It ha... I mean... I don't even know... I do believe it can happen. Ejaculation after death? Yeah. I don't understand. because it's not because it's an involuntary action and the, the nervous system the part of the nervous system that controls it is separate from the part of the nervous system that controls sexual pleasure so you could jerk off a corpse it has to be very shortly after they die i believe wow just mind blown i had no idea that was even possible um, Unless and I, uh, there was some sort of seminal fluid already out on this man's genitalia, and she had sex with him, and it was living for it some reason. It wouldn't survive if it was already I don't outside know. of I his just body. Am, but I heard that that seminal fluid can survive for three to oh, that's true. It can weeks um, sometimes. I, but that would have to be inside the body, right? It it can't survive outside the body. It has to. It can survive inside the woman's body yes. for a certain number of days, but I don't believe Correct. it can survive outside the body. Correct. I I'm just baffled by this as to how that could happen with a dead body. There's got to be some article discussing this case that talk that has talked to a physician and has explained how that could happen. I don't know. I mean, there's got to be. I, I didn't see anything. I kind of looked and tried to do research on this and couldn't right. find it. But I thought maybe you might have some interesting knowledge on that. But maybe that's not your area of expertise. <laughs> it is It is not my yeah. area of expertise. Um, it's okay. It's all right to not have that. It does seem like something I've heard about before, not in a necrophiliac sense, but in terms of just bodily functions that happen shortly after death. If you have some um, knowledge about that, shoot us an email. No. By all means, we'd love to know how this could actually work. Yes, like if you're a medical examiner, oh my yeah, god, please. Yeah, I would us. love that. Um, but in any yeah. case, well, let's move on to the main case for the day. This is a doozy. Okay, we're uh-huh. gonna circle in on this man by the name of Larry McClure. 
He's 55 years old. This is September 2019. And he gets arrested after he fails to register as a sex offender. Okay. This specimen of a man was arrested in Kentucky and brought back to West Virginia. Okay. So he was hanging out in Kentucky, but his original request was in West Virginia. And that was where he needed to register. And then every mm-hmm. time you move to a different state, you have to register as a sex offender. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had molested a family member. The charges were actually assault, sexual assault of a family member, six to 12 years old. Okay. Mm. This happened back in July, 1998. This is when the original charges came. He spent approximately 17 years in prison and was paroled. Okay. But his parole was revoked because he failed to register as a sex offender, as I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd only been out for about seven months. He's in police custody at that point and is being questioned. And he randomly mentions that, oh, hey, there's this murder that I know about. And the body is conveniently buried in my backyard. I'm sorry? So he's like, oh, by the way, I know you have me here on this parole violation, but I just want to let you know I know about this murder, and the body's buried in my backyard, so here you go. Okay. Let's take a step back. Okay. After the assault conviction in 1998, Larry's two young daughters ended up in foster homes. He has two young daughters, Anna, who's 10 years old, and Amanda, who's 9 years old. And these are the daughters that he had sexually abused for years prior to his conviction. Okay. Okay. Anna gets out. She does okay. She does well in school. She starts, you know, gets engaged, intends to start a family of her own. She's kind of on the straight and narrow. She's well behaved. But Amanda doesn't end up so well. She ends up on the street. She's addicted to drugs. She does meth. She makes her way through the prison systems. And as a result, after many years of this, she actually got engaged to a man who was also a drug addict. His name was John. He's not super squeaky clean. He has four kids from previous relationships and he's uh, possibly a drug dealer. Okay. So Amanda is not doing so well. September, 2019, Larry contacts his two daughters after he gets out of prison. Okay. And he's like, hey, I want to reconcile. I know I did these bad things. I went to prison. I'm really sorry. Let me show you how much I've changed. Come visit me. Let's make a new start. Which sounds super creepy. Like, if I've been in similar situations, I've never had somebody come back to me and say, oh, hey, let's try to reconcile and forgive each other. If that had happened, I would have told them to go F himself. Um, I was never sexually assaulted or molested in this kind of a situation, but my sisters were, I can hardly imagine the dramatic, stressful, scary situation that this created, but there's Mm -hmm. no way in hell that either one of them would have said, sure, I'll come back and hang out with you. I know that for a effing fact. Okay. So, um, Amanda basically says, eh, hard pass. Okay, this is the younger daughter. But Anna mm-hmm. actually says, you know what? I'm going to give you a second chance. She gets in her car and she decides to go stay with her father. She was engaged to somebody. So presumably she's just going to stay for a visit. She's not going to actually live with this guy. He lives in yeah. Skygusky, West Virginia. It's a really small okay, town sure. with very cheap houses. 
Larry's house was also very small, no power, no running water. Things were not super expensive or super high quality there, as you can probably tell. Mm -hmm. And they're living in this very small cabin together. I don't know why she would possibly ever agree to something like this. No running water, no power. Like, whoa, no thanks. Amanda, in the meantime, decides to take this road trip with her fiance. She's got a whole bunch of warrants out for her arrest. She's been known to skip bail. She's got a lot of drug charges and things of that nature. And so she and her fiance, John, decided to take this road trip to kind of get away. Um, John's mother had recently been diagnosed with cancer. And so they're going to go try to help her um, get situated and be able to care for herself as she's undergoing cancer treatment. And so John and Amanda go to Indiana in a stolen car. And it breaks down. And so they get stuck and end up having to call Anna because they don't know who else to call for help, their sister Anna. And at this point, Larry, Mm -hmm. the father, pays for a hotel room for them. I don't know that Amanda necessarily had the knowledge that her sister was staying with her father, her abusive, formerly abusive father. Okay, Yeah, she calls her sister and Larry ends up being the one to pay for it. And then Larry and Anna go pick up Amanda and John and bring them back to Skygusky, West Virginia. Okay. I don't know how that whole thing went down. I don't know why the two that were going to help John's mother with her cancer would suddenly decide to take this side trip and go hang out with her formerly sexually abusive father. But I think you're going to understand very shortly why that happened. Amanda, not wanting to see her father, not wanting to let her father see her strung out, flushed her drug stash when she knew she was going to go to her father's house and Mm -hmm. presumably John, the one that she was going to share it with maybe wouldn't have been down for that, but she flushed all the drugs down the toilet, all the meth. And so the two Mm -hmm. of them were forced to go through this cold Turkey. (laughs) So they had terrible withdrawal symptoms. The four of them get back to this tiny cabin. There's no power. There's no running water or even cell phone signals. And Amanda and her fiance are going through some very, very, very serious withdrawals. And this is meth. So this is like big time. This is not just like some little, hey, I'm kind of getting a little alcoholic shakes. And not that one form of withdrawal is any worse or any better than any other form of withdrawal. But I cannot imagine that meth withdrawal is a pleasant thing at all. And alcoholic withdrawal can actually kill you. Just, just craziness. So you got to understand yeah. that this is very severe. So previously, Amanda had been extremely a heavy drug user, injecting, snorting, eating it, all sorts of things with this meth. So she mm-hmm. went through very severe withdrawal. But Anna actually had some kind of medical training, her sister, and was able to help them come down from the drugs, which, oh, wow. you know, lucky okay. for her, right? Um, finally sober, the two argue a after they, you know, kind of wake up from this stupor mm-hmm. a few weeks later. But Larry's behavior suddenly changes when his daughter is sober. He starts becoming possessive and acting weird around Amanda. And then he reminds Anna of their childhood. Because he's like, this uh-uh. sort of behavior... Anna sees this sort of behavior and says, oh, no, this seems a lot like our childhood. I'm remembering all these things. So now all this weird stuff is going on and there's this tension since Larry is starting to act possessive of his daughter, Amanda and Amanda's fiance, John is there. So of course this is creating this three person 
extreme tension. Yeah. Um, Anna sees all of this and remembers how Amanda had always been the favorite child when the two girls were younger. And Amanda had actually blamed her older sister for taking their father away. Even when Anna confronted her younger sibling with the truth, Amanda refused to hear anything bad about her father and was like, no way. He never did this. He never abused us. Why would you take my father away and just blamed her older sister, which is horrific. At one point, Mm -hmm. Larry goes and gets his daughter the ingredients to make some meth at home. Here you go, daughter. Make Mm. your own meth. Evidently, there's an easy way to do it at home, like a quick method or something like that. I have no idea. All I know is it involves like the Sudafed that you have yeah. to get behind the counter. Like, really? But wow. And then I watched all of Breaking Bad, but I didn't pick up anything Seriously. on how to Seriously, and I don't want to get into it because I don't want anybody to think that we're trying to advocate that kind of a thing. No. But in any case, it didn't work, and it just ended up being this really weird liquid that they kept in a jar. But Larry was working on his daughter repeating the old grooming habits attempting to gain her trust etc like grooming her like as an adult which Mm -hmm. is disgusting okay so february 14th larry gets a special valentine's day dinner he's got steak potatoes wine this whole thing going on in the meantime anna is like kind of on the periphery and is like i don't know what's going on i'm very cautious i'm holding back and this just keeps getting weirder and weirder. She relates this story about how the last time she hung out with her sister, Amanda had drugged her and sold her as a sex worker to six men. And she woke up, she woke up drugged after having a drink with her sister five days later in the bed with six men. Holy Lord. Yeah. Like what? I saw, (laughs) it was just like, are you kidding me right now? Is Are you that kidding re- me? Like that really is a thing that happened or is that, we'll find out. She claims okay. that what happened. I don't, I don't know if there's any evidence of that actually happening, but that's what she claims okay. happened. And this woman, just wait. Okay. I, I can believe that Amanda would have done something okay. like that. She seems, a, she was strung out on meth. Sometimes when you're strung out on drugs, you sure. don't do rational, normal, sane things. But anyway, and then you, you also are desperate when you're trying to get mm-hmm. more money for the drugs. So you might, ne- you might do things you wouldn't necessarily do to get the money mm-hmm. for that drug. Okay. So anyway, so all four of these people are in the middle of nowhere in the woods. John, Amanda's fiance, the two daughters, and dad Larry, the sexual molester. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're all hanging out in this cabin. Did a ding, 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 ding. Yeah. It was still no water or power. <laughs> Bringing back vibes from a very... What was that movie called again? As soon as you asked me, I did... It starts with yeah, a D, doesn't um, it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <sighs> Del- deliverance. Banjo, it's famous. The Deliverance, okay? <laughs> yeah. It reminds me yeah. of that kind of a thing. But they're in West Virginia. Yep. It's totally deliverance all over again. But anyway, these group of people are in the woods together and these are like these bunch of misfits. They have a bunch of ropes sitting around and Larry decides they're all going to do this trust exercise. Nope. nope, you're not. Absolutely not. I'm like, nope. what no the actual, <laughs> who does nope. that? Who does a trust exercise? Outside like, of like, since when were you, team have you building ever at... been sitting around with your family and your family says they'll do a yeah. trust exercise? Who does that? No Trust one. Trust exercises are things that are done at corporate retreats and team building exercises yeah. for like high school sports Absolutely camps. not. Absolutely not. So anyway, he says, let's tie each other up and see if we can get out of the 
thing. That's what John Wayne Gacy did. I'm like, yeah, no, hard pass. Anyway, um, Anna starts out. Sister ties her up. She gets she gets loose. She's like, oh, yay. I think Anna was cautious because she's like, the last time I drank yeah. with my sister, she did all this weird stuff. But anyway, she gets loose, and then they tie Amanda up, and she gets loose. And then Larry's like, you guys suck at this. Let me tie up John and show you how it's really mm. done. It just seems so fake. Um, so Amanda... <laughs> okay. John is tied up and he's like, Oh, this is a trust exercise. Go ahead. Larry freaking ties yeah. the hell out of this guy. Like hog ties him. Basically he's incapacitated because he can't get loose from these crazy knots that none of the girls know how to get out. And then Amanda hits him over the head with a wine bottle. Wait, why? Just listen. Okay. <laughs> it's all coming out. Allegedly. Anna is watching all of this in shock and horror as Amanda and Larry yell at harass and threaten john all night so they get him all tied up they hit him over the head with the bottle the bottle doesn't kill him or knock him out it just kind of incapacitates him a little bit and then they just start abusing this guy nonstop. they accuse him of being an fbi agent an informant an undercover police officer all this kind of stuff and there's no way this meth had was any of those things like this guy was a serious drug user like there's no freaking way anyway amanda then claims she knows he was working for the feds because he'd been unable to bail her out the last time she'd been arrested she says that 27 different places denied her bail um it's because you run every time that's not because he's a really if he was a freaking fbi agent or informant somebody would have bailed her out right yeah because they know they're not going to get their money back they wouldn't have been the other way it just the way she talks is so completely illogical that it's just like um, no, you moron. This is, this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Your argument makes no sense. Anyway, Larry then decides to give John some sodium pentothal. Truth serum. Where did he get sodium pentothal? Okay, just, just wait. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, but he's like, he's going off the deep end here. He's yeah. like, let's give him some sodium pentothal. Like, who does that? Right? So he's like, let me go get this. But you know, it's actually the crappy meth. This daughter Amanda had made earlier and they give him two needles of that icky stuff, two needles full, which I think probably would have killed a normal person. Absolutely. But because this guy was doing meth on the regular, it just basically, he built up a tolerance to it and it only made him (laughs) struggle more. Oh my God. I mean, I know it's not funny, but it's like, are you serious? Like, this is like the dumbest bunch of criminals that I think I've ever met in my, or not met, but I've ever heard in my entire life. So he's like high on this crappy meth that they yeah. made in their freaking own kitchen. And he's struggling and fighting. And the group then strangles him. And they stuff his head into a pillow while they jump on him and jump on his back until he dies. Jesus. Yeah, they, they're strangling him by pulling the rope and stuffing his face into yeah. a pillow. And it's just, he eventually dies. Like this poor guy just, I can't even imagine what kind of just horrific way that would oh be to, to go. You're high on some crazy kitchen meth. Yeah. You're being strangled. You're being suffocated. You're being kicked, punched, threatened, yelled at, and you're jumped on, and you're tied up. So you have no control. I mean, yeah. just awful, 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 awful. And then they cut the rope off of him, wrap him up, place his body in garbage bags, and dump him in the backyard. And it, initially, I think they intended to kind of put him in an abandoned mine because evidently mm-hmm. that area has a lot of abandoned yeah. mines. Yeah. They drive around town with the body in the back of Larry's truck for 
a while. Oh my God. Because they're trying to determine, hey, should we bury him in a mine? They end up burying him in the backyard. Okay. So Amanda then starts posting on John's Facebook page, making it seem like John had killed her and run away. Whoa. Try to throw, throw the, everyone off the scent of this whole thing, which, yeah, she thinks she's pretty That's clever. Well she thinks she's out. a criminal mastermind. Yeah. Evidently, she's not. In the meantime, Amanda is bragging about herself to her sister, Anna, and claiming she's been running drugs for a fictional drug cartel. She's kind of pumping herself up. And is she's Anna actually still re- at the cabin? Yeah, they're all still at the cabin. The oh only God. one not there anymore is John because he was killed and they buried him in the backyard. Oh my God, okay. But Anna is like bragging, or excuse me, Amanda is bragging to her sister Anna. Anna's the clean cut one. Mm-hmm. Amanda's the drug addict one. And she's like, oh, I'm running drugs for this drug cartel. And it was actually from the Queen of South, the drug cartel she was referring. Mm. Like just anybody that had any knowledge of anything real would have seen through this this woman yeah. right away. But her sister, she's I don't think knew. She's not the person knew. you want running your drugs. No, yeah. no. So the three had buried John in the backyard, and at this point, Larry and Amanda began some sort of weird, incestuous relationship in this Mm -hmm. tiny cabin, where Anna is forced to hear them having sex. Jesus. Yeah. The two had some sort of crazy New World Order fantasy, and they would, through them and their kids, save the world. The only reason that Amanda had been born was to be his wife. Does this kind of seem a little familiar to you? It sounds a little bit like the crazy LDS stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like the really crazy sex of sects of that where yep. the men marry the very young girls and it just ends up being really weird. Yeah, the just, fundamental LDS. Yeah. Yep. I think there was some serious, crazy insanity going on in this family. Um, evidently, Anna was forced at certain points to watch them have sex. God. And Larry had asked his daughter to marry him, and she agreed. So they're both on board with this weird, incestuous, just nasty, crazy, weird thing. And this is what prompted them to kill John, Amanda's fiancé. So they had planned this all along and drug Anna, the sister, into it. When did um, this get planned? Like, once they all got to the cabin, or was this prior once to? Once they all got together. I think it was planned prior to. It's kind of unclear when this whole thing came into play. Yeah. But it's pretty obvious that as soon as dad and daughter reconnected, yeah. this is what they had planned, and John just happened to be this inconvenient thing in their way. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. And, of course, marrying your father is illegal. Yeah. I mean, that goes without saying. Um, but they plan on getting hitched in the backyard or nearby, whatever, classy AF, as you mm-hmm. can probably tell. Um, they forced Anna to dig the body up again and move it because they're like, hey, we can't have this dead body right in our backyard a couple steps from the house. And it had been two weeks since they'd killed John. Um, when it was uncovered, Amanda claimed that her former fiancé was not really dead. What did she think he was doing? She claims that he'd taken some kind of weird drug. Like a before, Romeo and Juliet thing? Uh, before coming to West Virginia that would allow him to be in a coma. And it allegedly helped POWs survive at wartime by pretending to be dead. Yeah, but you can't bury them after that. Yeah. Like, they still have it, to it have makes, access to, like, oxygen. It makes no damn sense. Yeah. But she's convinced that he's still alive. Because okay. he's they took this drug to get high because it has weird kind of... Uh, properties to it uh-huh. that allow you to kind of get this strange high and she claims they did this and so she thought he was still alive that he wasn't really dead even though he'd been in the ground for two weeks yeah 
So the group then determines that they need to pin John's body to the ground with rebar to keep him in place, kind of zombie style. And so they shove a piece of rebar through his head and (gasps) then through his testicles and various other body parts. Yeah, it's crazy. Nothing about this is sane, normal. It's just bonkers. And then Amanda starts taking money off John's ATM card. Evidently, he had some kind of disability that he was Uh receiving through his bank account. And the two had been pulling money out, continuing to pull money out of this bank account um, to to kind of fend their lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which couldn't have been that extensive because it was like, you know, they're living in a shack with no power, no well, water, or whatever. Well, it's just drugs, presumably. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't think they were necessarily doing drugs, but, you know, they had to buy food. They got to buy supplies and things like that. But, And I don't think he was getting that much, like maybe $900 a month or something like that. It's not that much. So then they go get married in the next town over. How? At the courthouse. Well, I guess she had like a... No, they go to the court... I'm sorry. They go to the courthouse for a license first in the next town over. And they use... They use Amanda's... They use Amanda's married name from a previous marriage. And they change her father's name to match. So it doesn't look like it's illegal. So they do some convenient little... Wow. Missy, matchy stuff with that application. And of course, no one checks on it. They just give it to her. Yeah. And then they get married at the local Methodist church. Yeah. Yeah. Evidently, the two got along super well and celebrated by digging John up a third time. (sighs) And Anna, this ever-willing little worker bee, uncovers the body, pulls out the rebar, and places it into bags in Larry's truck, and they bury it at a new grave on the other end of the property. This poor guy. Like, I can't even. Poor John. Um, Meanwhile, what's happening with the Facebook where... She shuts that down. Okay. After she starts getting comments, she's done enough of the work that she thought she needed to do, and she shuts it down. Wow. Um, The group was not to say anything. Everyone was agreed to be secret. Then John, or excuse me, when John's family begins to inquire about him, Larry tells them that he'd run off with Amanda to a local Indian reservation and disappeared. Okay. So they know that John is with Larry mm-hmm. and his family. So they have to provide some kind of excuse mm-hmm. as to why, where has John gone? Why has he not contacted anyone? Mm-hmm. Oh, he ran off to an Indian reservation. We have no idea where he went after that. And as a drug user, addict, probably leads a high-risk lifestyle. So they knew that there was, yeah, yeah, that there was some risk of, you know, something happening to him. And so... I think they were concerned, but they were like, uh, mm. well, I, mean, I was, I was more thinking like in the sense that that's a convenient excuse for him to say, oh yeah, he ran off. We don't know where he is. Yeah. 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 Um, and then Larry decides he's going to move the family to Kentucky in April, 2019. So the group travels to Kentucky and Larry fixes up this piece of property so they can all live in harmony together. So Anna's there still too. Anna's still there. I'm Evidently. So confused. According to Anna, her father has been keeping her captive. He's been keeping a close eye on her um, and basically not allowing her the opportunity to escape, threatening her, et cetera, telling her that, you know, if you leave, you know, I'm going to tell everyone that you did these bad things. Okay. I'm not, not giving her the opportunity to leave. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what she claims. Gotcha. Um, And he's also introducing his younger daughter as his wife and calls her Brittany. In the meantime, he decides he's going to create a new business. Do you want to guess what he's going to do with this new business? Uh, No. (laughs) 
Their plan was to kidnap young local kids from carnivals and fairs and whatnot and create a quote-unquote whorehouse with these children. Okay, so when you said business, I was thinking like a reputable situation. No. And that was clearly incorrect. Okay. His customers for this business would be people from the sex registry list. He would sell the kids to these people. And they would stay quiet because they would be having their needs met and wouldn't be able to say anything about it. Oh, my God. Evidently, Larry claims he'd studied legal loopholes to ensure that he would never get caught when he was in prison for 17 years. Did he? He is disgusting. This just whole thing is just awful. Anna plans her escape in the meantime, while Larry and Amanda are doing their usual shady, weird stuff. Yeah. Okay? Then Anna contacts family members outside and manages to escape and run home to her fiancé. She goes to North Carolina and lays low. She's okay. like, I, I, I don't want them to know that I'm you know, alive. I'm yeah. going to lay low so they can't find me. She's scared. Whatever. Um, John's family then files a missing persons report because they haven't heard from him and they want to know where he is. And Anna then gets news from a family member that Amanda and Larry have a bunch of young girls at their Kentucky property. <gasps> and she's like, oh, hell no. After the kids had started disappearing, Anna remembers her father's talk when she was a little girl about selling her to some weird dude for about $5,000. So she's like having these weird flashbacks and she's like, he was going to do this to me and I'm sure he's going to do this to these girls. And she feels like it's her duty to come forward. And so she goes to the authorities. Oh my God. This is when September, 2019 police descend on and arrest Larry McClure. Amanda had been living off the cash from John's disability checks and had stopped depositing money into Larry's bank accounts. Okay. And Larry tells police that John's body is on his property and claims that Amanda was responsible for killing him. So this him. is like all revenge for Yeah. So he's like, oh, daughter. this is what you want to do? You don't want to support me anymore? You don't want to care about me anymore? I'm going to tell. And I'm going to tell him that you did it. Were there little were there children in the house when he was they arrested? They don't say anything about that. Okay. But September 24th, 2019, police find John's body and arrest Amanda. Anna had come forward at that point and the police arrest her as well. She told her side of the story, but Friday, August 14th, 2020, Larry McClure pleads guilty to the first degree murder, gets life in prison without parole. Bye. Jesus Christ. Amanda pleads guilty to second-degree murder and gets 40 years in prison with parole after 20 years. The, the incestuous mm-hmm. daughter. Anna also pleads guilty to second-degree murder and gets 40 years in prison with parole after 20 years. Wow, okay. With guilty pleas, no trials were required, so I think that kind of provided you know, some degree of closure to the family and they didn't have to go through trial and all that good stuff, but what the actual F? That is... like. Is this not the craziest, wildest case you've heard in a long time? That is so beyond. Beyond. Yeah. just awful. Gross. Disgusting. That this man had so much control over this young woman just blows my mind in every possible way. Just appalling. And then he kidnaps these young women and thinks he's going to get away with it. Well, and how many times has he gotten away with it up to this point? This person needs to be removed from the face of the earth like that's just there's no way this is this like a singular event like this is somebody that has done this before no. either before his daughters were born 
And he would continue to do it as long as he was allowed. He needs to be locked up somewhere very securely for the rest of his life. And he is, I believe. Oh, my God. Larry McClure is his name. What a gem. Um, ding, 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 ding. That is so deeply upsetting. (laughs) Okay. So I know that was really just horrific and dark. So I'm going to give a little palate cleanser here at the end of the podcast to kind of share with you guys. But I heard this case and was just like, oh, okay. So there's this, I guess, bunch of fugitive zebras in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about this? I did hear about this. So every time she needs to pick up groceries, Sylvia Singleton goes on a little safari. On her way to Safeway, she will take a detour through the wilds of Prince George County, Maryland, to pass the Popeyes and the CVS and the school where the road turns into woods. For weeks, she has been yearning to spot a zebra. I just drive up and down the road in hope, says Singleton. My husband thinks I'm crazy. They're out there. Fugitives from an upper Marlboro farm were, officials say in late August, three zebras made a break for it, defying their owner and evading animal control for weeks. So these three zebras escaped from this farm and are out on the run. Amateur um, animal lovers and doctors and animal studiers of the Maryland suburbs have joined in on the hunt, prowling the area for signs of wildlife, dressing Mm -mm. their kids up in zebra costumes, Mm -mm. but often only seeing deer or wild turkeys. Mm -mm. Neighbors Mm -mm. have been luckier. Striped hides have been spotted passing through backyards. And while news this week that one of the zebras has died has cast a pall over the story, the animals have also captured local imaginations. We're rooting for the underdog, say the locals, who started at Maryland Zebra's Twitter account. These zebras have escaped capture for so long. They're seeing the government, the authorities, as kind of bad guys here. And the zebras are just trying to, you know, live their best lives. Yes, they are. Singleton, a 47-year-old animal lover, was hunting for a little bit of that magic. She has been aggregating sightings on social media and believes she knew their usual haunts. She supplied the car. A reporter supplied a pair of binoculars. The chances of seeing them are very slim. But before the end of the day, she would have an, she would have an encounter to remember. Most of the reported sightings have been off Croon Road, so Singleton set off in her black SUV on the hilly thoroughfare, twisting past the entrances of stately neighborhoods with pleasant-sounding names like the Greens at Marlton and Windy Oaks and Croom Estates. She pulled over at a small farm stand, which was already closed for the day. That's where most of the sightings have been, by the train track, she said, pointing through a clearing. Alas, no zebras that time, so they went back to the road. I haven't seen them, but I've heard from them, a man said behind the house not too long ago. What do they sound like? It sounds like a mixture of a horse mixed with screaming. Yeah. The man <laughs> the man did his best impression of a braying zebra sounding like a donkey choking on something, which, per subsequent YouTube search for zebra noises, was pretty accurate. Yeah. It's it's enough to make a person wonder why they what they really know about zebras. They're much more intelligent than horses are. And it's just a natural fact that they are because they are survivalists. Um, This particular person runs an animal sanctuary for zebras and other exotic animals in Ramona, California. She has trained more than 100 zebras and knows how to relate to them based on their love. And they respond to this person. She's the founder of something called the International Zebra Zorse Zonkey Association. 
Not only are they smarter than horses, she said, but they're also five times more powerful to say nothing of the superior looks. Sorry, horses. If you surround zebras, that's when they panic because their instinct is then to flee or fight. Zebras will fight before they flee. More zebra facts. They can run 35 miles per hour. They sleep standing up and a group of zebras is called a dazzle. That's fun. Of course it is because there's a zebra fact you don't have to look up. There's something magical about them, especially when they're not where they're supposed to be. The color patterns, the stripes, all of it is really an indication of wildness. Blah, blah, blah. This is good, but how do the zebras feel? The post is unable to reach any of the zebras for comment. (laughs) it's just like my belief is they'd rather be free than be captive if you could give them a choice they would choose to be where they want to be they could be right in front of us they're so anyway there's this wild group of the zebras running around maryland and people are hoping to see them Um, county officials responding to requests for comment on the rumors of the story said that one zebra has been found dead a month ago in a snare trap on land owned by the girl scouts it was unclear who had set the trap or why the county had continued to say for weeks that officials were close to capturing the zebras in a safe manner that's the flip side of zebra freedom it includes being chased by predators being killed by predators having to do a 900 mile migration in which 150 babies die because the lions are following them so freedom isn't really what it's cracked up to be People are worried about these guys. Um, so clearly there's only two of the three left, mm-hmm. and they're still out there. Let's talk about zebras. Because you sent me this, and you're like, look at how adorable. And I was like, F this. Zebras are a-holes. I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for these I don't think any to animal, live their best life and to stay out there. I don't think to. any non-domesticated animal should be locked up in captivity i don't like zoos the only thing i like i support are like wildlife animal rescues like don't like zoos zebras are responsible for some of the most severe and most frequent zookeeper injuries really yes who would have known i think we should that's how mean they are zebras are dicks is what you're saying zebras are effing dicks they they will they there's pictures you can look this up they are wild they, animals they I should have, be treated I understand. as that they're not horses i'm not saying they are what i am saying is that they will kick a jaw the lower jaw square off of a lion good for them if they kick it how can they 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 can't wait. control that they can't not help themselves do- they're wild animals i'm not done a male zebra, if he sees a pregnant female zebra, will kick it until it aborts this baby zebra. I mean, that's kind and of and they will a drown. They will drown baby zebras if it's not their own. And sometimes, even if it is their own, Yikes. zebras are dicks. Yikes! They're dicks. Okay. I don't think any animal should be in captivity if it. I if think it's you've not made your case. <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel very passionate about this issue because I don't think enough people know. Zebras are a-holes, and I'm here to spread the message. Okay, so if you're a zebra lover, send all your hate mail to Darcy. (laughs) I welcome it. No animal should be in captivity unless it's a domesticated animal, and that is the best way for them to survive. These, but these zebras that have gotten out cannot survive on like the eastern shore of Maryland. Yeah, no. I mean, the fact that one of them has already been trapped and killed is evidence of that. Like, they they need to be somewhere where they can survive. I don't want them to die inhumanely. But, I mean, I I would love to see them out there. I mean, go, be free. 
As long as they don't hurt anybody or like... Like that's not a safe area for them to be either. My concern is though that they're being hurt or that they're starving or they're in pain or they're suffering or whatever. And that is what I have a feeling. If we have any listeners in Maryland, don't approach Zira. (laughs) I have a feeling that might be what is happening if they're out there in the wild, but... I would love to see a freaking wild I'm all zebra. Set. Like I'm out walking and oh wow, look, there's a zebra. I think so. it's wonderful. Let's go. Let's take pictures of them yeah. so in anyway, Africa that, that and was, where they are. That was supposed to be a lighthearted. <laughs> You've turned it into something awful. I'm cool with seeing pictures of them. And this is another fu- another interesting fact: the dazzle thing. <laughs> I got really passionate about it. The, the, the dazzle thing was fascinating, though. That I did not know that. A group of zebras is called a dazzle. Another fascinating fact is that zebras are actually black with white stripes, not white with black stripes. And the purpose of the stripes is to get, is to, um, is camouflage them from, like, flies and other, like, parasitic insects yes. and things like that. Yes. So. I did see some um, in Disney World. Mm-hmm. They have um, a safari mm-hmm. you can go on. Walt Disney created this experience at Animal yeah. Kingdom where you can ride in this truck and they have this little mock savanna and you can see giraffes and literally there were just hundreds of yeah. animals out when we went this last time, which was pretty incredible. I mean, if you've got to have them in captivity, you've got to have them in a zoo, like that experience is like, they've got a huge area mm-hmm. to be in. Like if you've got to do it, like that's probably a little bit more acceptable. They get good food, good medical care. Um, and they get to be out in this wild kind of environment. Yeah. So I'm pro refuge. I'm anti zoo, and there is a difference. Yeah, I don't like nope. cages. I don't like really small enclosed environments. They don't need to be like walking on concrete. That's not natural. And if they they look unhealthy yeah. and they're they're hungry and things like that, or they're being abused, yeah. then heck no. But if it's a sort of a situation where they've been rescued and brought into this area, they have a wide open space. They don't have enclosures. Um, and they're fed well and given proper medical care, then I'm all for it. But the problem is that most times it's very expensive to care for animals like that. And so it's challenging for many people in that kind of environment to provide the Mm -hmm. kind of money to do that, unless they're extremely wealthy. Disney has, I think, done it pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you know differently, but we actually were on a train going to this petting zoo where they have baby goats and things Mm -hmm. like that. And we saw a brand new baby rhino, white Ooh, rhino, about like on the side. Too, and things. But they were in like the medical yeah. care center. They keep them kind of separate. And they, it no, was it's just hippopotamus. Adorable. Hippopotami are the yeah, ones that are super aggressive. are very yeah. dangerous. Um, and we saw those yeah. as well. We saw a whole group of them. But we saw the baby rhino, and it was just incredible. It's something you never see or maybe see yeah. once in a lifetime. It was, uh, I think it was a white Ooh. rhino too. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. But anyway, don't approach a zebra. Um, that was my take-home message. Don't approach any wild Send animals. me your hate Hello. mail. Let's fight about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap the episode up for yeah. today. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can certainly shoot us an email at thebfdpodcast.gmail.com. You can also interact with us on social media. What do we got on that, Dars? Yeah, we're on Instagram. We are at the BFD Podcast, so we'll be posting pictures from the numerous cases that we talked about, all the news stories and the actual case at hand. And then we'll probably post a little tidbit about zebras because I got some info to share. (laughs) Possibly. In any case, please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe. Keep it real and always live. Oh, stay away from zebras. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Always live your very best life. Bye.
Bye, guys.